0: In opening this morning, we sang, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is the source of every blessing Every good gift, that there is no good that you have that does not come from Him. There is no good you will ever receive that is not ultimately a gift from God the Father. If that is true, then as the song says, we must tune our hearts to sing His grace. He must tune those hearts. We must sing loudest praises to him. And scripture tells us that this is indeed the case, that he is that fount of every blessing. Blessings are from God. True blessings are only from him. And he gives them particularly to his people, whether those blessings are physical or spiritual, temporal, or eternal. Our right response upon receipt of those blessings is then to bless him in return in the midst of the congregation. Bless him in return as his people, spurring one another on to praise him with all of our lives in good times and in Bad. Well, our text today, Psalms 133 and 34, emphasize God's blessing His people and are, in response, blessing Him. Recall that Psalms 120 to 134 are the Psalms of Ascent, 15 Psalms, one tenth of the Psalms, but its own brief coherent psalter in the midst of the others. They're organized for the first 12 in groups of three where God's people cry out in pain and distress. God promises his presence. And then in the third psalm in each group, each triad, there's a statement about the blessings that come in the midst of God's people, referred to as Zion. These last three, Psalms 132, 33, and 34, sum up the entire set of Psalms of Ascent, all three focusing on Zion, on God's people. We saw a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 132 that there are four prayers In that psalm, and in every case, God answers those prayers above and beyond what is requested. And so he answers our prayers beyond what we can think or imagine, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. We argued that that was not only the case for those those requests in Psalm 132, but that's the way God responds to every prayer that his people pray, that he answers beyond what we ask for. Sometimes he gives us exactly what we ask for, plus something additional. Sometimes he says no to the specific request, And those denials can be puzzling, but he always gives us something even better than what we ask for. Well, that truth leads directly to and informs these last two Psalms of the Songs of Ascent, Psalms 133 and 134. So our outline this morning is very simple, just two parts. First, Every blessing is from God. That fount of every blessing. And secondly, we respond by blessing him. So every blessing is from God. Well, if every blessing is from God, it is not from what? Those blessings are not derived from Staring inside ourselves, figuring out who we are, and then actualizing that potential that we discover as we gazed at our navels. It doesn't come from looking inside ourselves. Second, it's not earned or merited. The Apostle Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? We do not earn or merit any blessing. They are blessings. They are gifts from God. They don't come to us through our talents or through our hard work. Thirdly, if every blessing is from God, they are not ultimately from other. People. Of course, we get blessings through other people, but those are gifts of God which are sent via the Amazon Prime truck of other people. So, our ancestry, our parents, our friends, our employers, the government, whatever blessing we may have is ultimately from God, even if the direct one who delivers it to us is a person. And then fourthly, those blessings are not ultimately of the natural world. We are blessed on days unlike today with sunshine and warm weather and and the beauty of the spring. But mistake, it is a mistake to worship nature rather than the God who created that nature, who gives us blessings through it. So the point is not that any of these are not, are, are, don't give us blessings, that blessings don't come through any of these, but to the extent that those are true blessings, God is working through them. So even if I look inside myself and in the light of scripture, I find things out about myself. I understand how God has called me, how he has fashioned me, how he has gifted me. And then I can step out in that. That's a good thing, right? That self-assessment can be a good thing. But what I'm doing then is depending on God to give me insight into the way he is working inside my life, and that the result is a blessing from him. If I instead am doing that self-inquiry on my own, trying to discover inside me, apart from God, How to actualize myself and find joy and fulfillment. That's not a blessing. That's a negative. Well, let's look at some other scriptures that emphasize this point. That every blessing is from God. Okay? So James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. James tells us, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Implying that it's easy to be deceived about this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everyone. 2 Peter 1. Verse 3, his divine power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness, right? Whatever then produces true life, abundant life, genuine life, he's given us through his Divine power. Whatever enables us to worship God rightly, to submit to Him, to honor Him with our lives, He's given that to us. What we read from Psalm 103, actually, this is before what we read from Psalm 103 the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So, those first two that we looked at are emphasizing that everything, every blessing, every good gift is from him. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And then this third one is saying there's no limits on time. From everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. The steadfast love of the Lord is on us, giving us every good and perfect gift. And then John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we know we can do lots of things apart from Jesus. We can do lots. But everything we do apart from Jesus works to our harm and the harm of others. Anything which is good is the result of God. And then, thinking of what we merit, what we deserve, Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. We rightly work hard. We should work hard. And yet... Whatever we earn is the result of God giving us the power to get wealth. And then in terms of the natural world, Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God's name, God's character Displayed in all of his creation or Psalm 19 the heavens are telling the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands so these scriptures are providing that general support to that overall statement God is the fount of every blessing every good and perfect gift is from him but then think about Psalm 132 that we looked at two weeks ago These four requests that are made, four prayers, God answers, in every case, going beyond what is requested. And we saw, looking more broadly at Scripture, that that is how God always works. God gives us more than what we ask for. But now, do you see how that is relevant? God is always giving us more than we ask for. You see how that's relevant to him being the fount of every blessing. Think of a child asking a parent for something, say a cookie. The parent may give the child the cookie and goes beyond that, gives that child nutritious food. Or, we're like a child who's fallen, and scrapes a knee. And we run to our daddy crying. And he not only holds us and comforts us. Which is what we most want. But he cleans and bandages the wound. That's what we need and what we didn't ask for. That good gift. Or... Maybe think of a child a bit older, say five years old, who wants to ride her bike around the block. And daddy, I want to do it by myself. Okay. What does the father do? He may very well say, okay. But he moves so he can see her the whole time. She doesn't see him, but she's never out of his sight. He's always watching over her. Yes, giving her that independence, that opportunity to go out and have the freedom of riding a bicycle on her own. But he gives her the additional gift of watching out for her every need, making sure she's okay. That's the way God works in our lives. Every blessing is from God, the ones we ask for, and the the ones God gives us beyond what we ask. The ones we seem to earn, the ones that come from the natural world, every blessing from the time of creation to the new heavens and the new earth is a blessing from God the Father. And in light of the New Testament, we can then say, every blessing is from God the Father because of God the Son given to us via the Holy Spirit. Well, Psalm 133 speaks of a particular blessing, the blessing of the unity of God's people. And it's a privilege to see that gift lived out in this congregation, the unity of God's people. So let's read of that, this blessing that God has indeed given us in this season of the life of this church. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. You know, I think we can all say amen to verse 1, and then verse 2, we think, oh, that's kind of weird. See, someone needs to go give Aaron a napkin because... He's got all this oil running down off him. It's going to get on the collar of his robe and and then it's going to be really hard to clean. That's kind of the way I feel when I read this. But remember, what is God doing here? What's he picturing as he talks about this oil running down Aaron's beard? Well, one thing he's doing is making this link with verse 1 that this Dwelling together in unity is flowing from God's representative, Aaron here, to the people. He's the high priest. So God is working through the high priest to bring this about. But what's that? what about that oil? Oil in Scripture frequently represents the Holy Spirit. So for example... 1 Samuel 16, when Samuel anoints David as king, remember, he goes to this supper and he looks at all the David's older brothers and, he says, and God says, no, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him, he has to ask, don't you have another son? So they have to call in the youngest, David, from the field, and he comes in. God says, this is the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that time forward. Okay? So Samuel anoints him with oil, and God at that moment anoints him with the Holy Spirit. And that's frequently the case in Scripture that there's this link between oil and the Spirit. So th- this strange picture of the oil running down Aaron's beard and onto his collar, the picture is the Holy Spirit overflowing, not just a little anointing, overflowing on him and that then flows out from the high priest to all the people, granting them that unity. This is the power of the Spirit creating that unity amongst his people. We can see this in the New Testament too. Think of Galatians 5, 22-23. This is a list of some of the fruits of the Spirit. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of those have an impact on the unity of the church? Every one of them. Every one of them. The fruit of the Spirit is manifested in the lives of God's people produces this unity. That's the oil running down Aaron's head. As we love one another, as we have joy with one another, celebrating our common Savior, as we have peace, shalom, in the midst of a world of strife, we have peace with one another, peace with God. Just so with the others, love, joy, peace, patience, obviously, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit produces unity as the Spirit works in every believer, conforming those individuals into the character of Jesus so that together we might, with one voice, with one mind, praise and glorify the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul says in Romans 15. Well then, verse 3 emphasizes that this blessing of unity is a blessing from God with a rather different image. But in order to understand the image, you have to know a little bit of geography, okay? So let's read verse three. It, the unity, is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, in Zion, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, Mount Hermon... Is way in the north, actually not in Israel today. It's Syria-Lebanon border. But Mount Hermon is 9,200 feet high, right? So higher than any point in in uh, the United States east of the Mississippi. 9,200 feet high. The dew falls on Mount Hermon. Okay. Well, the dew, that's clearly from God, right? Dew falling on Mount Hermon. But how can the dew of Mount Hermon fall on the mountains of Zion? The mountains of Zion are two and a half thousand feet, so much lower in elevation. However, they're a hundred miles away, more than a hundred miles away. So how is the dew on Mount Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, only by a miracle. But God has commanded the blessing to be there, Zion, in the midst of his people. So I think the idea is this beautiful mountain, so majestic and high, of senses due on it, this goodness, this blessing... And he takes that blessing and miraculously transports it to his people because he's commanded his blessing to be there on the mountains of Zion in the midst of his people. Life forevermore. True life, mutual life, abundant life. Well, this idea is fleshed out more in First John and the passage that Daniel passages that Daniel read for us from that great epistle. Let me highlight a few of them. Right at the beginning, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, partnership for a common purpose with us. And indeed, that fellowship, that partnership for a common purpose, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So here's a blessing, right? Fellowship with the Father, with the Son, in conjunction with His people, this is the unity. And it comes to us via His Word, via His message. The message that these eyewitnesses originally passed down and then have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. So again... Fellowship with the Father in His intimate family. And thus, we are in one family. We are His children. We are together in one family. What love is that? And how united are we under one Father? The Father of mercies and the God of all Comfort? Or chapter 4, verse 17. Think of this in terms of that fellowship, that partnership for a common purpose. These words just blow me away every time I read them. As he is, so also are we in this world. So we, united, his church, together, represent him, display him, communicate who he is. The blessing of unity in his church shows Jesus to the world around us when he fashions that supernatural unity that comes from the spirit, that oil flowing down Aaron's beard.